church is open in the evening for prayer at 6 o'clock. I encourage you to come. Tonight it will be open from 6 to 7. And what we've been doing is we're trying to teach everyone um, how to pray together as one cohesive team, right? And we have had worship music playing during our times of intercessory prayer, which is fine. I like that because it sets the atmosphere. And Joe, I want you to keep the music playing after service today. Okay, so don't shut it off. Thank you. Um, And it's okay to come together in worship for a few minutes so we can get into the spirit. But then again, tonight, we're going to turn off the music when we come together. And tonight, I'm going to encourage everybody to come into the first two or three rows so we can get in close proximity to one another so we can hear each other when we're praying. Okay? The Lord's teaching us that I'm not the only one, even though the Lord's called me to be the pastor of this church, I'm not the only one that should be praying and getting things from God. All of you are very mature. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. I want to hear what God's speaking to your heart. So it's a learning thing, okay? And we're going to grow in this because how many of you know that right now this is a new season with God? And in prayer, I've been getting this whole week where we're in uncharted waters. We've never been this way before. Even though God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's the Lord God, he doesn't change, amen? But where he's taking us and the method and the way he's going to take us is going to be totally new as I'm going to be talking about my sermon today. So all the more we need to be in prayer and be led by the Spirit of God, amen? Hallelujah. So today we're going to continue um, this this, uh, series, this short series. I'm hoping we can finish it today. We'll see what the Lord does. Called Looking for a Witness. And today what I'm going to talk about are three foundational truths. How many want to be a witness for Jesus? I mean, Jackie's testimony, she was a witness for Jesus. Amen. How many want to be used of God to be a strong witness for Jesus? Then listen carefully to the three things that the Lord has shared with my heart. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I yield myself to you. And give me the words that you'd want me to say and open the hearts of everyone here to receive them. We thank you and we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. The text for this series is found in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. This is the text, as you know. Jesus is talking about the conditions, what things are going to be like at the end of the age. And he says this in verse 14. He says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, say it with me, as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the message and the person of Jesus Christ. He said before the end comes, this gospel message that God loves us, and he sent his son Jesus for us, amen, and that God is a God of the living. He's not a God of the dead. He's a God that answers the heart cry of those that cry out to him and say, Lord, help me. Amen. He's a God that saves. He's a God that delivers. He's a God that comes through time and time again. The gospel message will be preached to all the world as a witness. Amen. And then the end will come. We know that in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and verse 8, let me just read this. Jesus was, it says this, And being assembled together with them, he, speaking of Jesus, commanded them, speaking of those that were gathered around Jesus' disciples, 
not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. Jesus said, I want you to wait. I don't want you to do anything. You've heard the gospel message. You have seen the gospel message as I've demonstrated by bringing healing and deliverance to those that I've, that I've touched. In, in the gospel, I think it's the book of John. Maybe it's Luke. I can't remember which one. But it says, and many more things did Jesus do. And if everything was recorded, there wouldn't be enough books to contain everything that he did. So when we read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see just a snapshot of everything that Jesus did during his three and a third earthly ministries, uh, years while he was on this earth doing his earthly ministry. Amen. But the whole reason for the power, why Jesus told his disciples, and he's telling us today, I want you to wait. I want you to wait until there's power from on high that comes upon you. Because it's the power of God that is the witness of God, you understand. Without the power, we have no witness. We can do good things. What if Jackie just did good things while she was there? Would the Lord have opened the doors to supernaturally brood upon those, too, that gave their heart to Jesus? How many know all of us who gave our heart to Jesus... That was a supernatural wooing of God that brought you to that place of knowing. The Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, I'm getting ready to invade earth once again, but before I do, I earnestly look for hearts who are loyal to me. For it is in those hearts which have caught my eye that I choose to carry and display the witness of my glory through. Again, I ask you, how many in this place today desire to be a vessel that the Lord chooses to carry out his will and bring forth his glory through? Let me see your hands. I'm in the right place then. We all do, don't we? I mean, haven't you just had enough of sickness? Haven't you just had enough of being ridiculed and saying, oh, those Christians, they're just weak-minded people. One of the governors of this state at one time said that. He said, Christianity is for feeble-minded people. (laughs) I guess he doesn't know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. In 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, the first part, for the eyes of the Lord ran to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. Say strong. On behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Oh, his eyes have been looking to and fro. He's constantly looking from the banister of heaven to find those whose hearts are loyal to him. Those hearts that are hungry for him. Those hearts that want to be a witness for him. God has always been and always will be searching and selecting and securing loyal hearts 
in which he can display his mighty power through. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Jesus Christ, through what he did on Calvary's cross and being raised from the dead, he has made you and I, those who have called upon his name, he's made us to be kings and priests unto God. Do you realize that? You're a priest. You're a king unto God Almighty. The dual responsibility of kings and priests is very important to understand then. Let's look at the priestly role. As a priest of Jesus Christ, you and I represent man to God because that's what a priest does. A priest goes before God on behalf of others. That's why prayer is so important. God came to Ezekiel and he said, I'm looking for a man who will stand in the gap and be a hedge that I would not destroy this nation. God's looking for a hedge. He's looking for a person. He's looking for a believer whose heart is loyal to him that will step out in that priestly role and stand in the gap willingly for those that need a Savior, for those that need a healer, for those who need a deliverer. Amen. Because a priest is an intercessor, is someone who stands in the gap, again, representing man to God. Now, the kingly role. We then become representatives of God to man. In other words, we become a witness, an ambassador of the heavenly kingdom. After all, the only people that are going to see Jesus, the only ones that are going to see Jesus are those that represent Jesus. The world will not see Jesus. They will not feel Jesus. <laughs> They will not touch Jesus or, or, or experience him unless the church of Jesus Christ rises up in its kingly role who allow themselves to be crucified with Christ knowing that it's no longer our individual being that lives but it's Christ in us that lives. The life we now live in this flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. Christ is the model for both of these roles. In his death, he represented sinful man to God. And he took our judgment. Somebody say, praise the Lord. And now it says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, he's always living. He's always, right now at this moment, he is interceding for you and I. He's making intercession for you and I. And he's the perfect priest, the high priest, the great high priest. <laughs> Hallelujah! Because he had no sin in him, as it says in Hebrews chapter 7, if we would pick it apart and read through it right now. The other priests that went before the people under the old covenant, they were just like you and me, that had a sin nature. And now because through Christ, that sin nature has been dealt a final blow. And now we can walk with a clean conscience as we stay hid in Christ and allow him, allow him to use us to intercede for others. As a representative of God to man in his kingly role, it says in Colossians 1.15, he, speaking of Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, and that 
It pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. Wow. In Jesus, all the fullness of the Godhead, it dwells in bodily form. Amen. That means Jesus is, is perfect theology, isn't he? He filled both roles as priest and king. He, re, he fulfilled both responsibilities to be an intercessor and a witness for God. And as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus and allow him to be the author and the perfecter of our faith, then we will represent him well, won't we? Again, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me, Jesus said. Being witnesses to Jesus. In other words, you and I will walk and talk and live and represent Jesus wherever we go. Be it in our homes, be it in our homes with our neighbors watching us, amen. Be it in the marketplace, be it wherever the Lord sends us. See, this next move of God that we're entering into, I've heard this so many times, and it's been bore witness in my spirit. It's not going to be by a big-name preacher. No man is going to glory in this move of God that's going to hit the earth, and it's going to hit the earth very soon, and it's going to be unbelievable. The harvest is coming in, not by just in the hundreds or the thousands, but the tens of thousands, you understand. This church is so small. This building is way, way too small. That's why next week I'm going to give you a, a glimpse of what I'm believing God for, and it's so big. <sighs> Apostle Swilly, when he was here, I wrote down the word. I'm going to share it with you next week. He said, some of the thoughts that you had you just think are too crazy, and so you've just dismissed them. But they're not crazy. They're for me. So get ready. I don't know how God's going to do it. Like that song we sang, but he, he makes a way, doesn't he? We have to get ready for this harvest, church. We have to get ready. We, we can't just wait around and just think, oh, yeah, well, I've heard that from you before, Pastor. Every year you get up and you say, oh, God's going to do this and God's going to do that, and we don't see this or that. I'm sorry, I can only do what God tells me to do. Amen. But we know, we know that God is not a person that he can lie, nor is he the son of man that he can relent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? we got to hold him to his word, and he is more than willing and able to do that. Okay, let's get to the three foundational truths. The, num the first one is the witness of God does not need the authentication of man. The witness of God does not need man's stamp of approval, in other words. It stands on its own merit. What does it mean for something to be authentic? It means it's in the process of determining whether someone or something is, in fact, what, who or what it declares to be. See, there's going to be a showdown, church, between the wheat and the tares between the wise virgins and the foolish ones, between the sheep and the goat. <laughs> you understand something. Not everyone that claims and says, Lord, Lord, is the true remnant of God. Only those that do the Father's will. We talked about that last week. 
People are looking for the authentic. Don't you want the authentic? Come on, somebody. I want the real deal. Every time I come to church, I'm waiting for the open portal of heaven to come and for the Spirit of God to just come on this place so heavenly, uh, so heavy, I'm sorry, that we just all fall down and we can't even get up off the floor for hours. Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. But we have to understand something. We serve an almighty God. And maybe we haven't witnessed the power of God like some generations that went through Pentecost. But I'm telling you, something greater than the Pentecost movement is coming to the church of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 2, verses 23-25, Now, when he, speaking of Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. When did they believe in his name? It says this, when they saw the signs which he did. They didn't believe in his name until they saw the authenticity of his word in action. He demonstrated what he was saying. But Jesus, verse 24, did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what what was in man. I love that portion of Scripture. Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was a son of God sent on a mission. His purpose was to destroy all the works of the devil. His mission was to seek and save the lost. He knew who he was. And he didn't need somebody to pat him on the back and say, oh, that was a great sermon. Oh, that was so good, Jesus. You're doing a great job. You truly are the son of God. Jesus knew he was the son of God. He didn't commit himself to have to have the accolades of others to prove to him that he was the son of the living God. Let me tell you something. If you need the affirmation of man to validate who you are in Christ. Listen carefully. You're not ready for ministry. I've learned that the hard way. Because let me tell you something, and I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Ministers are the most insecure people I know. You go to a minister's meeting where there's just pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles there, You go there, and everyone puts on the big show. And the first question they ask if they know that you pastor a church, so how many people you got coming to church? As if that is a measure of your success in your calling. I've even heard heard preachers say, well, the metron or the measure of your anointing is by how many followers you have. Okay. And of course, the evangelists, the itinerant ministers, they want to know how many people you have because all they're thinking is about how big of an offering they can get and how many people they can add on their mailing list to have a following so they can keep their ministry going. When are we going to have the authentic man or woman of God who knows who they are in Christ, who doesn't need people to affirm them because they get their affirmation from the Lord himself. 
Man will always disappoint you. Always. Don't you ever commit your calling, your dreams, your visions, those visions that God has engraved on your heart, your assignment, your destiny to any man or woman. Don't commit it to man. Jesus called you. Jesus is going to form it in you. He's going to manifest it in you. The scripture says, faithful, faithful is he who has called you, who will what? Who will also do it. You don't have to defend yourself when God's called you. You let the Lord do it. Now, I'm not saying, and listen carefully, that I'm not saying that you become an independent spirit and circumvent the God-ordained men and women that God has placed over your life to equip you, as it says in Ephesians 4. No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, if you become a maverick and just go out and just do your own thing, I can tell you something from experience. You are going to miserably fail. Because Jesus, he himself gave those to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, teachers and pastors. Why? To equip the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. And he said that's going to happen until we all come into the maturity, the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Is the church of Jesus Christ displaying the fullness of Jesus to the world? I don't think we are yet. But God's moving us in that direction. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, the witness of God does not need the authentication of man. Jesus said, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. Believe the witness, in other words, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. John chapter 10, 37 and 38. Jesus also said, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Amen. John 5, 36. As heavenly witnesses or ambassadors of his kingdom, we must understand three things. Number one, it's not our message we're giving, but it's his message. Number two, it's not our testimony that we share, but it's his. And number three, it's not our reputation that we uphold, but it's his. So the Spirit of the Lord tells you to go up to a woman that's in a wheelchair and to pray for her healing. And you go over to her and you lay your hands on her. You quote scripture. You command that infirmity to go. You speak life onto her. And then you look her in the eye. And she's looking. Her eyes are super big because she didn't even know this was going to happen. And nothing happens. No strength comes back into her leg. She's not able to get out of that wheelchair. What are you going to do? What happens if the Holy Spirit gives you a word of prophecy for someone to go up to a gentleman and say, hey, the Lord just told me that your son's going to be coming back home. He ran away, but he's coming back. And the guy looks at you like you're crazy. Listen, it's not our reputation that's on the line, but it's God's. Now, why did God speak to you to maybe go pray for that person in the wheelchair or to give that word of prophecy? Who knows? 
Possibly he just needed you to step out in faith to build you up. Possibly he needed your supply of the Spirit to bring forth the witness of him to that person to build up their faith. Who knows? But let me ask you this question. How many people are bound in wheelchairs today that shouldn't have to be? Or are still in despair because they still think that their wayward child is never going to come back to the Lord? See, we got the message of hope inside of us. Is Christ in us the hope of glory? And Jesus is saying, I'm looking for a witness. He's looking for a vessel that will just step out. Just step out and represent him. Amen. I would think that many more people would experience Jesus if more people like us in the church would just step out and be obedient and represent him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's good preaching. I don't know if you're liking it or not, but... Glory to God. Let's go to the second point. The witness of God only comes through those who have personally experienced him and have become one with God. Amen. When questioned by Nicodemus about what Jesus meant when he told him, you must be born again, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If you have your Bibles, or if it's up on the screen, I don't know. But notice the capitalization of those pronouns, we and are. Jesus isn't just talking independently of himself, but he's talking about the Trinity. He's talking about the Father. He's talking about the Spirit. Amen. There are always two components to any testimony. In the natural, the testimony comes you speak what you know. Amen. Secondly, you testify what you've seen. How can you be a witness unless you speak what you know or testify what you see? Amen. But how many you know in Christ Jesus, we speak what the Lord shows us? He puts it in our knower that we just know that we just know. I don't know how else to say it, just your knower. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we speak. You'll never step out for Jesus and be a witness for him until you really believe him. You really believe his word. And you saturate yourself with the word of God to the point that the word becomes you. And you become the word. Then you speak what we, what you and I, Lord, in our intimacy. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done. It's all about relationship. That's why praying is so important. If you're not praying, how are you ever going to know the voice of the Lord? And prayer is more than just a monologue. It's a dialogue that you have with the Lord. The second component of a testimony, of course, testify. You testify what you see. Or you testify what the Lord allows you to see in the Spirit. Let me give you an illustration. There was a man that was born blind. He received sight by Jesus. When questioned by the Pharisees, he says, uh, whether he, Jesus, is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, 
now I see. See, when someone gets a touch of God, they have an encounter with God, and heaven meets their situation. And if they were sick, they are made well. Listen, you don't have to convince them that Jesus did it. Amen. They'll just know. Have you ever gotten to the point where Jesus allowed you to just know something? Maybe it was in the area of your giving. Maybe it was really hard for you to get to the point where you gave up 10% of the first fruits of everything in your life. You would think, oh, what I can do with that 10% if I could just have it. But then you release it. You finally release it with a sweat on your brow as that offering plate comes by, like that Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, you know, that big thing. That's, and all of a sudden, I mean, you see this offering plate coming by, and you're, and you're just breaking on into a sweat. But you make the decision that you're going to be obedient to God, and you're going to allow him to prove himself, be a witness in your life in this area of your finances, so you give it to the Lord. And the Lord comes through. I told you that story before. When we first moved to Rochester, I had a job. Teresa, my wife being a, a nurse in this medical mecca, do you think she could find a job? No. There were no nursing jobs. It was a freeze on hiring when we moved down here in the early 90s. And it's just like, what are we going to do? I took a pay cut to take this job that I thought was my dream job. It turned out to be the job from hell. But anyway, we had hardly anything to eat. We ate macaroni and cheese for like four nights in a row. And finally I said, I can't do this anymore. And I would sit there and I, I would, we always used to tithe before that, but we were really in a financial pinch. And I said, I'm sorry, God, I, I just can't. We were going to church. And we drove to Eau Claire to visit family that were living there at the time. And we got halfway to Eau Claire, and our water pump went out on our car. I mean, it just got worse and worse and worse. And finally, that next Sunday, on Saturday night, I said to Teresa, I don't care. I don't care if we get evicted. I don't care. Either we're going to trust God or we're not. Either his word is true or it isn't. And I tithe that Sunday. That, that day at church, somebody came up to me. I didn't even know this person. They said, can I have the keys to your car? I said, yeah, take it. I don't care. <laughs> it's a piece of garbage anyway. And when we went out there, that whole back seat was filled with groceries. I mean, there must have been six or seven bags filled with groceries. We didn't know where to get around in Rochester. We didn't know, you know, if it was like a homeless place or someplace. We found out that there was a place. We went to the Dorothy Day house, and we just gave a, a, a tenth of those bags of groceries. We didn't look through the bags to see what we wanted to keep first. We just, by faith, just took two bags, and we just gave them. The next Sunday, I tithed again, and um, Jesse Duplantis was up at Living Word, and we all wanted to go up and hear that, that Cajun. Uh, that, he's so funny. And I thought, yeah, we need to go. So, but we didn't have any money again because I'd been tithing, and we just didn't have any, anything at all. And, um, and somebody came up to Teresa and gave her an envelope, and it was full of cash. You can't tell me not to tithe. You can't tell me not to give. When you witness the goodness of God like that, it just gets ingrained in your heart. Amen? God always comes through all the time. Praise the Lord.
Are you doing okay? That, that operating as a witness of Jesus Christ, let me just say this. It comes through what the old timers in Pentecost used to say, the spirit of seeing and knowing. Seeing and knowing, or knowing in the spirit. God's not holding stuff back from us. And in this new move of God, because we are on, into uncharted waters, we've never been down this, we don't have anything to look back at as far as to know exactly how God's going to bring this about. Amen. And I'm not one to tell God this is the way he should do it. But the spirit of seeing and knowing is when God comes and he imparts instructions, uh, uh, direction and instruction to us. Amen. It's seeing ahead of time in the spirit what we're to do and knowing when to do it. Jesus is our example. In his life and ministry, Jesus perfectly represented the Father by doing what his Father did and saying only what the Father told him to say. That's why Jesus hit the mark 100% of the time. Throughout his ministry, he would say, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. This, ex this explains the unusual ways in which Jesus would minister. One time, he would just lay hands on someone who was blind, and they received their sight. Other times, he would spit into the dirt, make mud, and put the mud on their eyes and tell them to go into the pool and wash that, that mud off. Amen. See, what we tend to do in our Pentecostal circles is we go through and we have a taste of the Spirit of God. And then we would try to reduplicate that again because it was so amazing, right? We just think if we just do it the same way, God's going to come through the same way. Amen. It doesn't work that way. And why doesn't it work that way? Because in this next move, no man's going to get the glory. If it worked that way, then we could go ahead and write our books that we've done in the past in the church. The five ways to get the spirit of moving in your church. Do this, 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 and it works. Can I tell you something? Christianity is very, very simple. Just get on your knees, pray, fast, and give. And God will open up the realms of the Spirit like you had never known before. It really is that simple. Amen? Teresa tells me, you got to write a book. I'm going, why should I write a book? There's so many books out there. If people would just read the Bible, they'd be okay. Hallelujah. There's so much more, but let me just end with this one because this is getting late. The witness of Christ. Listen to me carefully. I'm almost done. The witness of Christ. It begins, it is maintained, and it ends at the altar. The altar. The altar of God. The Lord's saying, I'm looking for a witness. In a day where we're surrounded by such a thick antichrist darkness, to be a witness for Jesus, we are definitely going against the grain. We have to understand that. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We got to get some moxie in the church. We got to get a backbone in the church. Without staying at the altar of God, I can tell you from personal experience, you will be discouraged. If you don't get to the altar of God, you will be discouraged and you will suffer defeat. I can tell you that. And you can get to the point. You can get to the point where you're going to say like Jeremiah, I'm not going to talk anymore about this. I'm just going to settle and just let things just take its course. Church, we're not called to settle. We're called to advance the kingdom of God. We're going to be held accountable whether we advance the kingdom of God or not. Jesus said, I'd rather that you be hot or cold. He's not looking for lukewarm. He wants you either to be 100% hot for him or, heaven forbid, just walk away from him. He wants someone that is going to be real, to be a witness for him. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, that I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. It was shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. Listen, you think that you're going through stuff and it's causing you a whole bunch of pain. Let me tell you something. You hold back when God tells you to do something and you'll experience some discomfort like right now. There comes a time when you no longer care if it's popular to follow Jesus or not. There comes a time when you no longer care if people want to hear about Jesus or not. There comes a time when you throw caution to the wind and out of this burning love for him and necessity, you can no longer hold it back, but you must speak forth that witness of Jesus. You must demonstrate that witness of Jesus. You must answer the call to proclaim Jesus and only him crucified. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. No one can come through Jesus or no one can come to God except through Jesus. The all-consuming fire of God that's inside of you, it's got to come out. The altar represents three things. The altar is a place where, where man meets God. It's a place of meeting it's a place where a sacrifice, number two, is offered to God. The altar is a place of sacrifice. And thirdly, the altar is a place where the all-consuming fire of God burns you and changes you forever. Jesus said to that church of Laodicea, the one that was either, that was lukewarm, you understand. Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined with a fire. You will never be a golden vessel used of God to the fullness of what God wants unless you spend time at this altar. This altar. It's a lifestyle. You came to Christ at the altar, at the foot of the cross, where you knew that you were undone and you needed a Savior. But now you need a Lord, you see. It only comes at the altar where he burns away all the chap, all the works of the flesh, all your hurts, all your disappointments. 
The past needs to be burned up for us to move into this new. It only comes at the altar. And yet we in the church, we're no different than the children of Israel. Where God wanted to have a personal relationship with them. But when they saw the almighty presence of God in that burning Mount Sinai, they said, no, 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 no. No, Moses, you go for us. You go for us. And I think sometimes in the church we have a mentality, oh, pastor, you go for us. Pastor, you pray for us. Pastor, you fast for us. Pastor, you keep giving and giving and giving and giving and giving, and it's okay. You, you just keep doing that. But God's calling all of us. In this hour, it's all of us that are going to be used of God I want you to play that song, The Altar. I'm not going to force anybody, but if you want to meet God this morning, if you want to offer a sacrifice of love of yourself to him, and that sacrifice, you know what it needs to be? There are many different sacrifices the priest offered in the tabernacle of meeting in the Old Testament. But the one that went that on the altar the main brazen altar was a burnt offering. The burnt offering was the only offering where the entire, the entire thing put on there was burnt. God's looking for us to be a burnt offering to him. A fire on the altar of him that's always burning. You can't just be halfway with God. Is there anybody in this place that wants to give everything over to God today? I want you to play that song. I want you to listen to this song. I want this song to minister to you. If we had our pianos, I'd have somebody playing the piano, but we gotta, we're doing electronic, but the song is good. I want you to listen to the words. I want it to minister to your heart. And if you feel so led to come to the altar today, don't let anybody hold you back. Don't let yourself hold yourself back. Come to the altar. Thank you, Jesus. Bahashianda, Kito Rosa, la 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 la. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We magnify you. We thank you, God, for the amazing work you're doing in our hearts right now. Oh, don't be in a hurry to leave the altar. Just linger in his presence. Hurra babasita talakita. Hurra mahianda la kianda la hurra babosha la 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 sita. Hurra mamanda la kianda la la monta. Hurra mamama sondo. Hurra mamama 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 mamama. Kita ramakondo. Shororoho sando. Mm-hmm.
There therefore remains a rest for my people, says the Spirit of the Lord. There remains a place of rest in me, a place where you surrender it all to me. I have not called you to strive. I've called you to abide, to abide in me, to rest in me, to allow me to arrest your heart and bring you closer to me. Many trust in horses and chariots. Many look to the things of this world to bring forth power and influence. But I am the one who is the power, and I am the one who will bring the influence. I am the one who will bring forth my hand of justice in the midst of injustice. How I've longed to work, how I've longed to manifest my love in this earth. I need a people who will put their trust in me, that will abide in me, that will find their rest in me. Learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me and be of a humble estate. Learn of me and know that as you wait on me, I will pour upon thee such power like you've never known before. To be a witness to me. To go forth in my name. To cast out demons. To speak with new tongues. To lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. No deadly thing shall come near you. And I give you authority over the enemy to trample on his head. For this is the very reason I was manifested, that I might destroy all the works of the enemy. And this is the very reason why I brought you to this place today. So you too can go forth in my name and raise all the things of the enemy to bring them to naught. Come to me often. Come to me often and linger in me. Save the Lord.
you have something? Please play that song again if you need to go. Lord bless you. If you want to stay and linger some more, you're welcome to. This is one of those services I can't close. That's between you and the Lord when you leave. God bless you.